All righty, everyone. Welcome in. Welcome back for our listeners. Welcome to all the new listeners. We're happy to have you. Happy to have everybody with us. Back at it again. We are Polar FC, rocking and rolling. We're down Vandy this week, but don't get worried. We didn't. We didn't fire him. He'll be back in the future. He's just busy. Um, another another big week for soccer. But uh, first, I'll hand it over to Chris here. Do our little uh, little social plug. That's right. Uh, if you want to follow us more, have more uh, content coming at Polar FC Pod is uh, your place to go to follow us. I'll be tweeting out episode links, live uh, streaming links, um, and all that good stuff. So uh, definitely want to stick around there um polar at polar fc pod on twitter and i'll get the instagram up and running probably the next couple days so be on the lookout for that all righty awesome that's gonna be super dope we're excited for that obviously we're hosted here by polar media feel free to check them out if you want uh podcasts on a couple other things we got uh some other options for you so check us out we're all over social and uh yeah Big week, big week. Uh, KR, how you doing this week? Doing well. Can't complain. Uh, in the midst of uh, what many uh, Rutgers students would call midterm wave two. Uh, but, you know, amongst that, we still have Champions League, uh, which, again, with the matches uh, today and uh, yesterday, we can't complain about. Uh, lots of action to discuss and lots of new news as well. So, uh, again, happy to be here. It's a nice. Uh, little break in between the weeks so uh let's get it rolling yeah looking forward to it we'll we'll have uh champions league corner final games for you uh coming up but first we'll start with a couple stories here and i wanted to start off with uh, an espn article i thought was was pretty fun so let's see uh bill Connolly here from espn did a an article where he ranked all of the teams, all of the soccer teams, European soccer teams, rather. Um, and he wanted to figure out which ones were most watchable. So who's exciting? Who's fun to watch? Who do we think we're going to like? Um, and I'll just uh, give you a couple of like the areas, the criteria that he looked like first here. So let's see. We had 6% for quality of the team, like how skillful they are, how good they are. Um, 36% uh, shots and goals. So um, that's actually on both sides. So the way that he looked at it uh, is that the more shots you have, the more goals you have is more exciting. But also the more shots you give up, the more goals you give up also makes it more exciting, more exciting rather. Um, we had uh, pressure and intensity as 25%. So that's another big one. Um, you know, are the teams playing hard? Are they uh, looking to attack? And, and, and verticality, again, kind of pairs with that um, for 9%. And then two other, a couple other small categories here. We had through balls, kind of the similar as, as verticality and, and switches, uh, as well as tension, um, whereas like they were close up or down by only a few goals to make the games good. And then, obviously, entertaining big matches. So, you know, 
are are they playing against rivals? Are there big games that are fun to watch and that are meaningful to watch? So before we get into this, um, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on where you think some teams are ending up. If you have some teams you think are going to be at the top of the list here or at the bottom of the list. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised seeing um, at least, you know, one of the te- – or one team from each major um, soccer league in the world. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I see, you know, let's say Barcelona up there. Uh, I know Byron's probably up there as well. PSG with the young talent. Um, and I would probably take Man City as well. And then it would all come down to, like, you know, who would be that fifth outlier because I think a lot of – teams can make a case for being that fifth team um but besides that i would take those four and then the fifth again would just be maybe juventus with how recently they've been playing uh they're known to be a little more tactical like you mentioned the different um i guess methods they use while playing their game but at the same time they have players who bring a lot of passion to the game and uh, i think that translates to probably uh, some of the ratings that you discussed, even though they're pretty unique, in my opinion, like you never really think about all this when you're watching the game, right? It's more so like when you sit down and rewatch the tape or you talk about it with somebody else and you say like, oh, did you remember when this happened during the game? Like that's what makes at least soccer moments for me memorable when they're easy to kind of remember, easy to discuss with other people. But um, yeah, with teams, I think it's just in a team's, uh, it's just a matter of like who always comes up in conversations. And to me, it's, those five teams that always come up no matter who you talk to. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I'm kind of hesitant to say that it'll be like someone who's currently on top of their league. Cause like these really dominant teams like Bayern Munich, like PSG, like Manchester city, like there are, there are oftentimes um, I, I can't really speak for Bayern cause I don't watch. I remember I watch them outside of the champions league, but I, I mean, I can't have to imagine there are a lot of times they win by like four or five goals even. Usually that's the case, but this year not so much aided by some some holes in the defense. Okay. Um and and that is actually what uh wound up putting Bayern at the top of this list and Really? I have to say, you know, as as a more recent fan, like that definitely factored into me, you know, deciding whose games I want to watch, right? Bayern having a lot of shots, having a lot of possession, playing vertically and pressing like those are just things that I find entertaining in the game and and that's really what drew me uh, at least initially to to follow the team but so to, to read off our our well I'll read off the top five for you so first we got Bayern uh, then we got Atalanta then Barca then Lyon and then Dortmund so those are those are the top five there. Uh, Leeds United, Milan, Liverpool also falling near the top, as well as PSG, Man U, uh, Leipzig. These are kind of the names that are that are towards the top of the list. Manchester City, I know, was also mentioned there coming in at, at 22nd. So because um, of the blowouts. Yeah, I mean some something some of the uh, rating did have to do with that. Um, and also just the, I guess, the direct speed with the way that they attack if they tend to be more of a build-up team or are not quite as much as uh, 
not quite as much as other teams in terms of playing the ball forward really quickly. Yeah, um, I was going to say, like, the team that probably surprises me the most, I mean, who could forget about the pageantry, the tradition, the history of Leeds United? Um, that that was probably the team I expected the least on there, but well, I guess they, they win a lot of sneaky games, so maybe I'm underestimating them. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess I'll have to, uh, you know, clear my schedule every time Leeds United is playing a Premier League match. Uh, low-key, low-key, they're kind of fun. I saw them play, uh, I saw they were just on TV, so I watched it. I think they played Liverpool or something like that. I was like, all right, well, it's it's Liverpool. It's going to be entertaining. They got a great club, and Leeds United really hung with them. I'm I'm kind of kind of rooting for them to, to do a little well in, in the Prem. Like, come on. You love it when a side that, that can come up uh, and just be promoted and, and hang with the big dogs. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I was going to say, they always had, like, um, you know, their community always rooting for them to be back in the Prem. And now that they are, um, their popularity has grown, you know, twofold. Like, it's crazy, especially in that today's world with social media and stuff. Like, back then when Leeds United used to be, you know, the talk of the Premier League, they didn't really have clips or you know messages that they could send to the players or you know bring them to the forefront of everybody else's eyes but now it's like i'm i'm not honestly i'm not that surprised but i'm surprised that they're over other premier leagues right and i think that this article is very interesting because it shows you it's not always about the players right it's not it doesn't have to be the big names um yes they make the you know game fun to watch but it's how the team operates as a unit uh I think some of the criterias that the author has mentioned, and they're kind of unique. Like you talk about, you know, pressure, like in a game, you don't really notice that you just look at the stat sheet and you think about, okay, this club has the ball for, you know, 70% of the time, but what have they done with the 70% of the times? Right. You don't really think about that until after the game or until like a score is, you know, decided either at halftime or full time. So it's interesting. And listen, I, I, I agree with you. Like Leeds might be the low key outlier. Like, I might may or may not be rooting for them to, you know, be Premier League champions in a couple of years, but who knows? That would be the <laughs> ultimate story. Yeah, yeah. I think you make a good point where it's funny, like, to talk about just some of this stuff in terms of statistics because it's usually just something that you feel. Oh, you watch a game, like, oh, that was exciting, and you watch another, you're like, oh, that one maybe not as much, but you don't really think, like, to the next level. It's like, all right, why did I find that first game exciting, but not necessarily the second one? So, it was really cool just to see what type of um, qualities that they were looking for in terms of watchability. And, and I think I think they did a, a pretty good job in terms of choosing them, uh, at least in my, my perspective, of course, having Byron at the top. I love to watch Byron, so I, I can't really argue with that. Yeah, I was going to say, if you guys are looking for excitement, we got Leeds Man City uh, Saturday morning, 7.30 a.m. Set your alarm clocks. <laughs> I hammer that uh, line. Oh, maybe, maybe set my DVR, but I, I don't know about <laughs> my alarm clock. Or That's a one downside lights. to watching the Premier League is the 7:30 a.m. kickoff. I, I mean, could be worse. <laughs> I think it's just for the best that we don't live in like the West Coast. Oh yeah, like, the bulk of the games would be at 7 a.m. Then I was gonna say 7:30 sounds pretty early. I mean. I'll I'll get up to watch some Bayern games, but usually they don't play before nine a.m. 
Yeah, I feel like, like the Bundesliga is better about that. But I guess maybe it's just the audience that they're going for as well. Maybe they're more a, a little more dependent on the U.S. and other places for for watching. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But I mean, even when I think of like the watchability rating, it's interesting to see some some of these other teams. Like besides Lead, who would have thought Atlanta would have been two? Uh, I mean, you know, they make it to the Champions League. They're like out by you know third or like after group they'll make it through the group stages but by like the first or second knockout rounds they're usually like done right um you don't think about them being up there the whole time and then uh leona's you know been a great name for a while but again they're up there too and then two bundesliga teams in top five like i'm sure you've seen a lot of uh dortmund games jacob uh you probably can you know admit that they are just as exciting as you know um Byron's games, but on a different level, right? Because they don't have, again, like those namesake players. So it's interesting. But like scrolling up, I'm, I'm trying to see like who, 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 who like is too far down. Uh, have you taken a look at the entire list yet, Jacob? I don't know if you've gotten a chance. I didn't look at the entire list, but I did look at some of the ones towards the top, which I thought was funny. Just like teams where they were like, don't watch these teams unless you're like really invested and just love the team. Um, because if not, like you're just going to be kind of bored to sleep. Uh, I, I thought it was funny just to look at those teams yep. as well. And there's so many, uh, I'm actually looking at that same, the it's the hundred to 99 scale or hundred to 90 scale. Uh, and you have like Newcastle United, Burnley, uh, Sheffield United, FC Augsburg, Wolves, Fulham. There's so many teams that are like that exist in the league, but unless you're a diehard fan, you don't even think about watching a game unless they're playing a big name. And it's like some of those teams you listed, they're not bad teams. Some of those teams compete occasionally. Like, yeah, they're not like perennial uh competitors for their league titles, but they have a couple good a good season every now and again. It's not like they're just nobodies. So kind of kind of funny to see those stats there on those ones too. Agreed. I kind of find it interesting how they were able to like quantify something that most people consider is like subjective, like watchability. They put like a few different inputs in there and then just, yeah, I, I kind of find that interesting. You know, it's crazy is that they, pro if they change up the percentages of each criteria, the numbers probably change a lot too, which would again in impact the ratings. Uh, but they put they like they put a third of the criteria on just shots and goals. They make the game right essentially. Like if you score, more people want to come watch you play. So like for a team like who doesn't score that much, um, or only wins by a little every now and then, like that's why their ranking might have been like you know diminished a little bit. So it's kind of interesting. And then they have like I mentioned pressure and and intensity. Like that's a quarter of the rating. Uh, if they don't play with that you know pressure and intensity which again comes in hand in hand with like passion on the game and the players you have. But it's, it's interesting to see what they prioritized over the other categories. Uh, because, you know, like, like we said, there are some teams who are, we know definitely capable of it, but some teams that might have a hard time like achieving that criteria or filling in that full percent. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I think, what I need is for one of my uh, one of these computer algorithms to figure out which game like deduce from that the right percentages to put on each of these aspects 
tell me my my most watchable team. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. But yeah, I, I understand there's there's some subjectivity towards like, all right, you know, maybe some fans like the press a little bit more than others. And I think maybe it also has to deal with and you know, speaking from experience, some like newer fans, some less knowledgeable fans about soccer, whereas like you know, long possession, slow build up. You know, it's cool, but for me, it's like I just want to see him run. I want to see him play fast and go. But I think somebody who's probably been watching longer, probably used to a different play style, would probably say, "All right, you know, I don't really need that. Like, I don't need to see the ball change hands like every five seconds. I'd rather a team really dominate and, and move the ball and pass well rather than." than always trying to make the home run pass, you know? Yeah, and that's why I, I like teams that play a high press a lot. And, and of course, that's my Red Bull bias coming in. Um, you know, they, they're they're the team that kind of like, not, not just the MLS team, but like all their teams sort of play a similar style. Um, I kind of find that, you know, fun to watch as a fan. Um, you know, I like that more than like the old build out of the back that I used to see my teams play. Yeah, see what you mean. Yeah, what they should do is they should come up with a if they can, you know, quantify something like watchability, then they should, uh, um, you know, take it a step further and quantify uh, which uh, money lines are most undervalued relative to their probability <laughs> of winning. You know, just tell me where to bet, and then that that'll be a much more useful resource, I think. Give you some uh, some arbitrage opportunities there. Yes. Chris. Yes. It's like, oh, it's plus one thirty, but it should be plus uh, or minus one ten. All right, I'll take that. There. I'm not well, smart enough to put something like that together, but someone should. Somebody, somebody probably should. Yeah. This goes back to insider trading, Chris. We talked about <laughs> that's not insider trading. Yeah, I don't think the gambling houses would really appreciate that. Oh, okay. All right. If you want to be a buzzkill about it and ruin my fun, all right. Maybe, maybe they'll hire you as the inside guy. You know, you're making the odds. <laughs> but I mean, is that really like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like just an extension of like the 538s where you can go in and see like, yeah. um, oh, this team has a 60% chance of winning, but yet their money line is like even. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree. It's it's just a different type of modeling. I uh, guess. Yeah, I guess. I think it's it's also in a sense where like, who would believe it and who wouldn't? And how many people would target you for being wrong half the time? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's that, too. And by the way, if well, anyone is listening, I do not condone any uh, questionable gambling activity. Um, just uh, just to be clear, that segment was a joke. Um, in case anyone, in unless, case anyone gets unless the wrong Unless anyone's idea, interested. If, if anyone is interested, you can DM me privately, and I can tell you about how wrong that is. As we say on the crew, uh, only gamble with Monopoly money. Don't use the <laughs> but I don't think I don't think there's any rule that we can't like tell people what to gamble on now that it's legal. Mm-hmm. I don't think no. so. No, why would that be legal? It's it's their fault for them to either listen or not listen. Yeah. If I can but, tell you what stocks to buy, I think I can tell you what bets exactly. to make, right? Yeah. Well, Chris, there's there's some hope for you all. All you got to do is get fifty one percent right. You just got to beat the randomness. And and you could make some money here, but uh, we'll we'll move on to our next story. And what I wanted to talk about next is just La Liga. So La Liga, they got the title race. They got the standings. We're I'm going to read it out here. We're we're at first we got Atletico Madrid, 
coming in at 66 points. Second place, Barca with five points. Third place, Real Madrid with 63 points. Uh, and then fourth, Sevilla with 58. And now this is, I'd say this is a pretty big change from, from what we saw in the beginning of the season with Atletico jumping out to a pretty commanding lead. Looked like almost nobody could catch them, but they've slipped up in the last uh, couple games, only winning two out of their last five. And, you know, Barca and Real have been hot and now are hot on their tail, which is now heating up to be a good competition, a good race here in La Liga. Your thoughts, guys? Yeah, I think Barcelona has been unreal so far during this stretch of the season. Um, after, I guess, or amidst their, you know, Champions League campaign, uh, they're able to, you know, chip away at the La Liga. Um, and as you mentioned, get closer to Atletico. They're what I believe you mentioned. They're only a couple points behind, right? I'm going to pull up the table real quick just to see how far behind they are. But Barca's just one point behind. Yeah, one point behind. They've won their last five in a row, I think, or probably more than that because Google only shows me five check marks. Uh, but they're playing like, you know, they want to win. The, they want to win the league. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, Barcelona preps for this. Obviously, um, this Saturday, big matchup, Real versus Barcelona at camp now. So it's going to be, um, you know, a boost for whoever can kind of, whoever can get closer to Atletico. Uh, obviously, if Barcelona wins, they'll probably overtake uh, if Atleti loses or if they don't play by that time. But yeah, after this, I would say it might even come down to that May 9th matchup between Barcelona and Atletico Madrid, right? Uh, just to see who wins the, who who wins the league, so it's gonna be interesting down the stretch. A, a little um, maybe 2013 uh, redo, City QPR. We getting that again, but with uh, with Barca. I, I mean, no, all, all kidding aside. Um, sorry, Kr, I didn't mean to trigger you there. Um, but um, all, all kidding aside, um, I, I kind of wonder how much Barca's resurgence has to do with the fact that. You know, they don't have to deal with balancing the Champions League and La Liga. Because that's like, because even if, all right, you could talk about, oh, uh, they're a super club. Uh, they should have the depth. And, you know, you're kind of right about that if that's your argument. But, I mean, it doesn't make it any easier. Like, it's a challenge to sort of balance, like, who do you play for the La Liga thing? Who do you play for the Champions League tie? How do you sort of weigh that? Like, it's it's not easy. And, you know, most of your players do end up playing both games. So, it's it can the wear and tear can be a lot. So, I, I kind of wonder you know, how much of that is a factor. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to see because you can kind of make the same sort of argument for Atletico Madrid, but they've been kind of dropping off now that they don't have to worry about the Champions League. So I think when it comes to it, you could think about, you know, how, what the depth is. If, if Barca has better depth, or if Barca just has a better mentality, it could be something along those lines too. And, you know, maybe their stars are able to play at a higher level because they're, they're just not having as high of a test on their fitness. And like I said, this, this set or this weekend's matchup might come in very, very, you know, helpful to Barcelona. I mean, they um, basically had a couple more days off than Real Madrid did, right? They Real just played yesterday. So uh, Barcelona is going to be a little more fresh and 
it's games like these who, you know, you might overlook on the schedule, but when they come down to it, that difference of, you know, a little bit of rest might go a long way to getting you three points or getting you that one point, right? And like you, like we mentioned earlier, they're only a point behind Atletico. So at this point in the race, points matter. And yes, Chris, you did trigger me a little bit, but <laughs> I just want to trigger you a little more and say that you won't have Aguirre to save you this time. All right, now that was just uncalled for. I'm still in mourning over that, by the way. The only way I'll get over that is if he comes to the Red Bulls, but he's probably not going to do that. So it's like, you know. You never know. Maybe, thank you for uh, your service. Love maybe, the banter. Yeah, maybe Red Bull will just give, uh, um, you know, or get a large sum of money from Red Bull, and you'll we'll, we'll, we'll be able to see. Uh, Red Bull sells their players to Red Bull. Exactly. It's a Tyler Adams move. Yep. It's We're not going to the, what did PSG do? They went to like the Emirates head or whatever. What? They went to like the United Emirates like political body basically. To oh, get clearance to get Neymar. Oh, I I didn't even. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, and this was before he got signed for like that three hundred mil. So, if Aguero does somehow make three hundred mil coming to Red Bull, we know how they got the money. Oh, okay, all right. We're one step ahead of them. We're paying attention. We got all the moves planned out. Um, I just, I mean, I wanted to bring this up. So, so we have obviously this, this, uh, this now race for the title for La Liga. But I kind of wanted to transition that into thinking about how we rank Europe's top five leagues. Um, and this is something that I found kind of interesting. I find a lot of people arguing about it on the internet too. So I figured it would be fun to bring on the podcast. Obviously everybody loves their team um, and will defend, but it's funny also see when, uh, so say I'm a Bayern fan, right? If somebody's going to pick on Borussia Dortmund, maybe I'll stick up for Borussia Dortmund a little bit just so I can defend the Bundesliga as a whole. Um, so it is kind of funny to see how sometimes affinities tend to lie with a team, but also lie with a league as well. So I'd love to bring it up. I'd love to hear you guys rank your your top five, and then I'll, uh, I'll uh, give my own as well. Chris, you want to go first, or you want me to? I was going to let you go first. All right, I'll go first. Um, Pressure's on. All right, I think – some of this would also be biased, not, you know, like statistically based, but this is the the soccer that I enjoy watching whenever, you know, I do have time to, or I guess interest in watching any of them. Um, I would probably put at number five, I'd probably put the MLS just because of the variety of the, the soccer you'll get. It's a little different than everywhere else in the world. Okay, I wasn't even thinking about including America. I was just thinking the five, the top five European. But you oh, are just okay. blasting. I love, it. I love to see. Now, it. now, when you say, but what are your, what are your criteria, Jacob? Is it just pure quality, or is it including like entertainment value? And yeah. Oh, that's that's true. I that's, didn't because those are two different questions. Right. If if it's just pure quality, yeah, MLS is not in the top five. Yeah. But if you're including watchability or entertainment value then you know you can make the argument you know what i i like to hear mls in the top five so we'll we'll split it half and half 
Okay. We'll say like half watchability, All right. half okay. quality. They may or may not make a cameo in mine. There we go. Uh, but listen, I, I would probably say if if I'm putting MLS at number five, I would say in the next probably 10 years, I wouldn't be surprised to see them at five if the quality of you know soccer goes up. Obviously, the watchability here in the U.S. is big. Um, in the United or in the Europe, it's also taking some notes, right? Uh, it's getting recognized at least. So um, I would do that at number four. I would probably put um, either. I probably put Syria there. Um, obviously, they're you know one of the best European leagues. Um, Italian soccer is, in my opinion, always been a little bit of an outlier amongst the European leagues. So, um, but I enjoy watching, you know, some of the teams there, especially now that they've been bolstered up with new talent from everywhere around Europe. Uh, at number four, I'll probably put um, Ligue 1. So it'll be the French League. And, you know, obviously we've seen PSG come from that league and be an absolute monster in the European amongst the European clubs. Uh, but like we mentioned earlier, Leon is up there and we've seen other clubs kind of be at the forefront coming from Ligue 1. Uh, at number three, I will probably put La Liga. Um, it's just tradition. Everything's been there. Good clubs, you know, two good clubs that have been battling. You can maybe petition for it to be three, uh, with Atletico and how they've been performing over the last couple of years. So um, always enjoyable to watch. Uh, number two, I'll probably put the Bundesliga. And number one, I'll put the Premier League. Respectable. That's respectable there. Chris, you want to you wanna give your takes here? Yeah. Um, so in a normal year, normally I, I tend to value like how often is there like a close race for the title? Um, and I find that in most years, um, I, I would say Premier League is number one, just because I feel like not necessarily um, who wins the title, but like, you know, what there are years where, you know, obviously one team runs away with it, like City this year, Liverpool last year. Um, but I feel like the Premier League tends to be a bit more of a race and a bit more variety in terms of who wins. Um, like Bundesliga, I would say would probably be number two. Premier League is my number one. Bundesliga is usually Bayern wins it, but um, there's, there was a lot of quality teams like beneath it. And there's usually a battle for like the champions league spot. Um, relegation battles don't really do anything for me if I'm being honest. So, yeah. Um, three would be, hmm, that's tough. I'm going to go with, I'll go with La Liga. Um, La Liga tend to be a bit uh, more of a three horse race than it used to be um, with uh, Real, Atletico and uh, Barca. They're in a tight race this year. They've had some tight races in the past. Um, and, and they also all play, at least the top teams all play a very uh, balanced, or not balanced, I should say, entertaining form of soccer. Um, and they're usually fun to watch. I'll throw in you know, the teams that aren't usually winners, but they're usually pretty good, like teams like Valencia. I'll throw them in there as well. Um, so that's where I put them. Um, so it's number one, Premier League, number two, Bundesliga, number three, La Liga. Um, number four, I'm going to go with MLS, actually, um, for a couple of reasons. One, what you lose in you know terms of quality, you gain in entertainment value because, one, the, the, team, the, the team on the top, the team at the bottom, there's not as much separation 
as there are in European leagues. So, you know, um, most matches are not quite as predictable, and that obviously makes it more exciting. I also like um, the playoff format. Um, Jacob, I don't know if you know how it's set up, but basically there's seven teams that make it in each uh, conference, East and West, because they don't have single tables, so they can't do a regular season title. Um, okay. So they do have a supporter shield, which is basically that, but it's a little weird when, you know, the best team of the East and the best team of the West have different schedules. So you can't really equate the two, but that's, uh, that's how the, the supporter shield works. Uh, but the playoff format is awesome. So it's seven teams. Um, uh, one seed gets a buy um, and then the rest go at it. Um, and then the thing that they did that I, I thought made it an amazing tournament is they basically got rid of the two legs, uh, which is a little controversial from a club soccer perspective, but it kind of adds that kind of March madness unpredictability uh, vibe to it. Um, so, you know, you get like some wacky results and you don't have that weird thing where sometimes there's a two leg tie, um, you know, the first legs four nil, and then it just ruins the whole series. Um, you know, and, and I think the MLS playoffs, uh, say what you want about, you know, the quality compared to Europe. I think MLS playoffs are as entertaining of a cup competition as you have in all of soccer. Um, and also, uh, on a personal note, you know, I can identify with, you know, my team from New York and also I could dislike a team from DC or Atlanta or wherever, um, to a greater extent than I can a team in Manchester, England. So that's an important factor for me too, but MLS is an entertaining league and, um, uh, that's why I put them at four. Yeah, that's a fair point. I just want before you go on here, I, I yeah. agree. I think that's definitely a cool idea when they think about taking away kind of the two leg matchup because you did point out some big things like if there's a big, if there's a big game in the first big win in the first game, one of the second game's kind of meaningless or um, it just it's not quite as exciting. Um, even if it's a close first game, it's not quite as exciting coming into the second game. Uh, having there already been some history, the the second clash maybe not quite as exciting as the first clash. So I, I do think that's a it's a pretty novel idea, and I I I'm interested, I'm intrigued, and now that I'm now that I'm talking more about it, I might actually have to start watching some MLS. Opening weekend is uh, next weekend, so it's the sixteenth. Right. Gotta- first game. I'm sure when that comes around, ESPN will send out one of those like articles where it's like, find which team from the MLS should you follow, and I'm going to oh, do no that. Need. I, I'm going to I'm going to run through it all next week. Don't you worry, Jake. Oh, okay. Big, uh... Chris is going to do the the MLS watchability. And the MLS the MLS preview. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not going to say it through every team because that there's like 27 teams. It would take too long, but you know, I'll give you like you know the big hitters who's. You know who who's gonna who's gonna be the team to watch all that. I think, yeah, yeah. I'll save it for next okay. week, but that'll be right. something going on. And they're also playing the Concacaf Champions League now. So, um, yeah. And then fifth to round it out is Serie A. Um, you know, Juventus, a couple other teams there that are uh, pretty fun to watch. I honestly haven't watched a ton of their domestic matches, but you know, seems like a seems like a good league. So that rounds out my top five. All right, that that's respectable. There, I'm I'm gonna go for mine, and I will I will give you a little bit of a preface. So I haven't seen nearly as much soccer as, as some of our other experts on this podcast. So mine is definitely gonna lean more towards quality, in my opinion, just because I haven't 
haven't watched enough games to judge the the entertainment value, but we'll start. Uh, I mean, I haven't watched any MLS at all, so sorry, I'm gonna have to be the first host here to leave them off my list. But for for five, we'll go uh, Liga One for f- the French League. PSG is big and and fun, but I don't know if I'm really that intrigued at the quality of some of the other teams. But, you know, uh, we'll have to see when the next Champions League comes around if they're able to have a, a better showing. Uh, fourth is uh, Serie A. Uh, definitely a couple a couple teams that I could see. Um, a couple teams I'd enjoy watching. Obviously, Juventus is the big name with a lot of talent. But Inter and Milan both have good teams. And we said, you know, Atalanta is a fun team to watch. Even Napoli and Lazio are not not bad teams, and I think that you know all those teams I, I would argue could could make a run in the in the Champions League and, and could compare in terms of quality. And I think for me, as a as a fan, I love to see the stars play. I love to see good players and and guys that can just play the game well. And yeah, I know like sometimes that's not the best route when it comes to winning, but. That's that's how I that's what I find entertaining as a fan. Um, and in third, this is the tough decision for me. So I'm uh, between La Liga and the Bundesliga um, for those two spots. And I think I think I'm gonna put the Bundesliga at third and La Liga at second. I think I think the Bundesliga has been going up and La Liga has been going down a little bit. But I don't know if they've they've uh if the bundesliga surpassed a liga yet but you know if uh if Borussia dortmund can pull it off then then maybe but yeah we're we're getting there but not there yet i'd still say la liga has a, has a better grip and i guess a little bit more respect in my mind of course at, at the top of the table there is the prem uh i think there's there's really no no comparison i mean it's it's got all the big lights. Even the the teams that aren't that good are still big names and still land big contracts with with free agents. So I think it, they deserve to have the top spot in terms of of quality, certainly. And I think also a lot of teams have a lot of skill, which makes it makes it watchable, in my opinion. So that was it. That was our top fives. We'll have to get uh, Vandy's top five when he comes back next week and uh, and rehash some of this debate. But uh, that was that was our top fives. I think we had another uh, topic on the docket here. We were going to talk about some some FIFA video games, but I think we're going to push that back till next week. So if uh, if any of our listeners are uh, are tuning in here, feel free to DM us. Uh, at Polar FC Pod on Twitter, give us your opinion about FIFA video games, and uh, maybe we'll give you a shout out next episode when we talk about it. You know what um, feature FIFA should add? That what is it, I, you Chris? know, there are other other sports games have this, and I kind of wish that FIFA did. Um, when you're in like manager mode, or there should be like an owner mode where you can create your own club. Mm, it's gonna like, be like, uh, all right. I know a lot of people love that in NCAA. 
NCAA, uh, NBA, you, in, in 2K, you can either relocate an existing team or um, you know create an expansion team. Uh, NF uh, Madden has it, but it's not that good. MLB The Show, I don't think has it unless they added it this year. Um, and NHL has it, um, where like you know, it should be like, oh, I want to start like you know, just for instance, an MLS team in Hawaii. Um, you know, you build your own crest, uh, build your own uh, stadium, and you basically build it up from scratch. I have a soft spot for expansion teams in uh, rebuilding uh, my <laughs> uh, my franchises, so that's kind of my thing. But that's something that I think FIFA should add. Yeah, they have something similar with like Ultimate Team, but that's a little bit more on their like pay to win type of platform. More like a so fantasy, not, thing not quite than as a... fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you guys, uh, you know, enter the PC gaming realm, you could probably mod your way into making FIFA <laughs> and, and and create your own clubs. But honestly, that's something that I think EA should add. But I'm sure we all can save uh, video game talks for next week and and. Uh, our discussions there. I'm sure we can find enough things that EA can add into the video game to, to fill up a whole episode. So we'll keep we'll keep that for next one. We'll move on here to the Champions League. And I do have one gripe before we get into some of the games. Why do they play the games at the same time on the same day? Like I okay, I'm a Bayern fan, but I definitely would have watched uh chelsea play porto i would have watched other games if i could watch it like one after the other or something along those lines i just think it's so silly that they played both games at the same exact time so there's no possibility for somebody to watch both of them on the same day yeah i think you know this has probably been debated about amongst fans for the last couple of years because they've always put big matches basically on the same time and you either watch one or the other uh, unless you have like two or three monitors and you could pull up all the other games together but it's i think it's more in a sense of them making or building up anticipation for the games right because then you'll know like whether this team is going to face this team or by the end of the 90 minutes you might you know it might have it might be a completely different outcome but i agree with you i think it's they should have one after the other um, at least that way, you know, you have like, let's say six hours of soccer to watch and six hours of Champions League to watch, right? Um, you can even market it that way where you'll get viewers for six straight hours rather than half your viewers watching one game and the other half watching the other. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know the reasoning behind it, but I agree with you. I, I think they should split it up. And also, um, these games kick off pretty late in Europe. Like I think, um, unless you're in England, um, a three o'clock kickoff time in America is like a nine o'clock tip uh, kickoff time in Europe. So like, there's it's not like oh, if we do any earlier, it'll be in the middle of the day. Like you like you have a seven o'clock game and a nine o'clock game, unless one goes into extra time and it's a second leg, which is not that common given the two leg system. Um, you know, you get back to back, you get four hours. That's twice the. Um, that's twice the amount of time, twice the amount of ad space. Uh, you can get people to basically watch it all night, like the same way they would, um, you know, if when the AFC title game or the AFC and NFC title games are back to back or, uh, you know, the final four or, you know, something like that. Um, I never understood why they did it the way they did it. 
doesn't really make sense. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm also miffed that I have to pay to watch it in English, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of things to, to complain about. And Chris, you brought up like two of the prime examples that I was going to say, like the, we just had March Madness and that's a really fun thing. And part of the fun is that you can watch it the whole day long. You could watch March Madness all day for a couple of days straight if you really wanted to. Um, obviously, they have some games playing over each other, but I feel like there's enough where you could watch it continuously, and that's kind of fun. And and you brought up the NFL as well. Obviously, with the playoffs, they do a good job. But even on like a regular Sunday, they'll have a 1 o'clock game, a 4.15 game, and an 8.30 game. And you could watch football for your entire Sunday if you really wanted to. And the way God intended. I mean, it's not like, yeah, exactly. This is what this is what we do in America. We just yes. watch TV continuously. But it's it's not like I would do this every week. It's not like I need this all the time. But right. when it's two games in a week, I, I feel like you could do it on on different. And I feel like you, you could take it even further uh, during the group stage. And they flirted with this a little bit where they had the one o'clock kickoff and then the three o'clock kickoff. Like they should be doing more of that. Or even like if you're willing to go earlier in the day, I mean, this would have been a better opportunity this year when they had no fans in the stands, like have like a triple header. I'm like, Oh, um, the local time five, seven, nine, you have a triple header, six hours of champions league. And then for us uh, Americans, you watch soccer from 11 in the morning to like five in the afternoon. And it's perfect, but yeah, they love, decided to love to see them work the logistics out a little bit better. But yeah, you know me, I had to get my rant in. Maybe that'll no. be a theme. I have to find something to like yell about every week. And I, I got it out. I'm not too disappointed in Byron, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so moving into some of the, uh, the matches here, we'll start off with uh, Real and Liverpool. Uh, that took place yesterday. Real coming out on top, three to one. Two goals from Vinicius Jr. Um, Marco Asensio also scoring and Mo Salah scoring for Liverpool. I have to say, a little bit surprised at the outcome here. Uh, I thought Liverpool would be able to hang with them a little bit better, but Man, that's that's a. I mean, it's a dominant performance. I'm sure they'll have some confidence coming into the next leg. If I'm Real, yeah. I mean, overall, I think Liverpool has also been, you know, struggling for a little while, um, and Real was able to capitalize on it. And like we mentioned earlier, they Real has been in good form within the La Liga. Um, they looked a little iffy in the previous legs of the. Champions League, so uh, it was interesting to see them kind of bounce back in, in this match, and like you said, it gives them a great leg up going into the second leg versus Liverpool, so um, obviously Liverpool's going to have a big task on their hand, and we know how this um, rivalry has gone in the Champions League in the past. Um, Jacob, I don't know if you were watching the Champions League back, I think like two, three years ago, when uh, Mo Salah was basically um, Liverpool needed one more goal to essentially go or it was either win or go to the Champions League finals. And uh, mo and this was like the first season under uh, Jurgen Klopp where Liverpool was like breaking records. They were like 
had the most wins, the most points in uh, Premier League history. And they were basically going on to become like one of those um, teams to forever be in the history books. And in the Champions League, Sergio Ramos um, challenged the ball and grabbed Mo Salah down by his shoulder and basically drove his shoulder into the ground. And Mo Salah was then taken off the pitch. Uh, and that ended like all hopes to Liverpool. Everybody was demoralized, and that like storyline lived in like the soccer world for I would say at least like two three months until like everybody realized this is just what Sergio Ramos does. He's just a, you know he's he's a bad guy. Uh, he's a bully in the world in the world of soccer. So uh, and but to him to do that to Mo Salah like it was terrible because that's when like everybody was finding about Mo Salah and how nice of a guy he was. And even worse is when Liverpool was like, they they lost everything. They had built everything up and they lost everything to this one player who plays really, really dirty. Sergio Ramos is the Grayson Allen of the Champions League. Agreed. agreed. That's the comparison. Okay, that, that's a reference I get. I, I understand that one. I, I wasn't watching back then, Karen, but I, I do get the Grayson Allen reference. So, you know, the maybe worst. this is a little bit, little bit of an opportunity for... Liverpool to try to erase some of that uh, from their memory, but it seems like they're not doing a super great job at that so far. Um, we'll move on to the next match here that took place yesterday. Man City coming out on top over Dortmund in a uh, flurrying finish. Uh, De Bruyne scoring in the 19th minute. No changes. Uh, until the 84th minute, uh, Dortmund finally able to break through. Uh, Roy scored a goal, and that was in the 84th minute, as I as I mentioned. And Manchester City coming back in the 90th minute. Foden scoring on a, a wonderful pass. Um, and, and wow, I, I have to say I, I followed this game a little bit at the end once it once it got to be 1-1 and that that was a an exciting ending for for a soccer match. So Chris, I'm sure sure you're happy your team walking out of there with a win looked fairly dominant, although only able really to put up uh, a, you know a two to one scoreline. Look, we got the win. Um, we're in a good position heading into leg two. That's all that really matters. Um, I was only able to catch like the last like 20 minutes of the game because uh, I had two classes that afternoon and. One of them cuts into oh, the Champions League. This yeah. is the Champions League, Chris. You got to skip like that class. Not like I'm paying like nine hundred dollars <laughs> per credit or anything crazy like that. But you know, you know, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously. Um, love the win. Um, love that Phil Foden was able to get us back up two to one in the ninetieth minute. Um, that doesn't really happen often for my team. So when it does, that's always a good feeling, even if it's the first leg. Um, you know, we hot like I said. Like I feel like I say this every week, we hired Pep Guardiola to win the Champions League, and um, this City team is as good as any that Pep has had. Um, so this is really like where the rubber meets the road for him. Uh, so I think that you know, so far so good, and ninety minutes, and we're off to the semis. All right. Well, they'll try their best. Obviously, Holland's going to be looking for for a goal. He got the assist, but. He'll be, he he'll be me. back with a vengeance next game, and we'll see see how well Man City can hold him off. Um, 
Moving to today's game here. Um, we'll start with uh, Bayern and PSG. Uh, Bayern falling to PSG. Three goals to two. Um, goals from Two goals from Mbappe in the third and 68th minute. Marquinhos with a goal. Uh, Bayern with goals from uh, Chupa Moting and Muller. And I mean... I'll I'll give my my uh, my insight here. I, I watched that game. I, I was a little disappointed. Yeah, I think uh, two of the the PSG goals that we let in, I feel like sh- we shouldn't have let in the first Mbappe goal. I think Neuer should have saved that. I think he normally comes up with that save. The second goal was just uh, just the one from Marquinhos. There was just you know not not playing smart defenders, just getting caught sleeping uh on a, on a nice uh smart play by by Neymar as well but I I can't be too disappointed because I feel like we had a ton of chances and sometimes it just doesn't go your way had a lot of good looking shots had a lot of good opportunities and they just didn't fall and, and frankly I was a little surprised to see us have that many opportunities you know really having um a cut in our numbers due to COVID, due to uh, so missing Narbury, missing Lewandowski. Um, so I was I was pleasantly surprised to see us get that many chances, but, man, I really wish we would have converted. I was going to say, that was as end-of-an-end, uh, end-to-end match as I've seen. Um, you know, it, it didn't feel like either team was really taking a lot of time, you know, just passing around in the back line. Um, and, you know, if anyone follows the expected goals uh, Twitter account, um, you know, if you adjust for the uh quality of the opportunities, uh Bayern had like four expected goals and uh PSG only had one and a half. So that kind of tells you the story of um how, how many opportunities Bayern had. But um, you know, you get the two goals. If you get an away goal, um well you better not let up any more goals because you gave up three away goals. But um, you know, not the worst situation to be in. Bayern's a good enough team that they can go back and uh, win the next match by a couple goals. So, you know, not, yeah. not a done series by any means. Yeah, that's that's the goal there. And, of course, you know, with ex- expected goals that high, you got to think maybe it would be a little bit different if uh, big old number nine was on the pitch for us today. But, unfortunately, that's how it is. That's how the game rolls. And we'll look forward to the next leg. I'm still excited. Um, moving on to the other match today. Uh, Chelsea coming out on top over Porto, two to nil. Goals from Mason Mount and Chilwell. Uh, seemed like Chelsea kind of all over this game. You know, obviously Porto is the the clear underdog here, but Chelsea able to come out strong, strong two nil performance in the first game. And of course, we have to give uh, a shout out to our. Our guy we're missing over here, Vandy. Um, he he's he was loving it today. Kr, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm happy for Chelsea. Uh, you know, they did what they needed to do to kind of get out of there with victory. Uh, but uh, like you mentioned, they were all sloppy all over the place. Um, I think you know they probably could have allowed a couple less shots on goal. Uh, just shots and opportunities to Porto, but that's how Porto plays, right? We saw them punish Juventus uh, in the last round of the Champions League. So 
Um, hopefully, Chelsea can now kind of just defend this uh, going forward. But, um, you know, ever since uh, Tuchel's taken over Chelsea, like they've, they've looked pretty, pretty decent, in my opinion. Uh, they're playing with a different poise than they did um, earlier. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of develop from here on, out, especially the young talent that's on that team. So getting past this stage of the Champions League will definitely be a huge, huge boost to that squad. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Yeah, and I think having an experienced manager like Thomas Tuchel um, to uh, um, sort of right the ship was the right move after they kind of gambled on hiring Frank Lampard when he didn't have a ton of uh, coaching experience, um, as much of a legend as he is uh, with that team. Um, although I do think... Um, you know, not like I know anything about any of my teams hiring a former star right at, at, without any experience, but uh, that, that's another argument for another time. But, um, you know, I think Tuchel was a good hire for them. And I think, you know, give Chelsea another year. And I think they're really going to be a threat to win the uh, Premier League again. Yeah. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm Chelsea, I want to see my team come out and play strong in this, in this second leg, because, even if they get through clean, they're going to have to play against uh, a good Real team or a dangerous uh, Liverpool team as well. So you want the you want the team going at full speed, going at full force into the next match. So even if even though this this game may not have been super exciting for them, they may have may have came out on top pretty easily. But I'd still want them to play at a high level if I was if I was a Chelsea fan. And I'm sure. Uh, Vandy expects nothing, nothing less from his boys in blue. Um, and with that, I will, uh, toss it over to Chris here for our video of the week. All right. So we're going to head over to, uh, the CONCACAF champions league. Um, not quite, um, as often talked about, uh, just generally by soccer fans as the UEFA champions league, but it's had some good matches over the years. I've, I've watched it here and there. Um, my team has fallen short in it a couple times. So um going to pull over um on Twitter. This is a hard challenge. Um uh this was between oh sorry about that. Um I don't know if you guys could hear that, but did you guys hear that? Did that audio go over or no? Okay. No. See, okay. Um so you guys see um uh, this is Aprisa's Philadelphia. This is in like the ninety second minute. Uh, hopefully the video quality improves, but I'm just going to let this uh, play out. You guys see the challenge here. So he's running over to it, and then you see him just undercut him there. Only got a yellow card. That, I think, is the most shocking part of this whole thing, is that he only got a yellow card. See... I mean, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a it's definitely a clear yellow. Like, I, I agree it's at least a yellow. I think if you see from the other angle, he doesn't really get him with his feet. He actually clips him a little bit with his hand as the player is, like, jumping back. So I think it looks a little bit worse zoomed out. Um, but I do understand where you're coming from, Chris, just because – they're they've got such a long lead time where the players can obviously see each other and know uh, where the other one's coming. So you expect uh, kind of a more clean challenge in that sense. 
I also love how um, the the Philadelphia player, one of his teammates comes and beelines right for the uh, – Oh, I love that. Let's go back and watch that again. And hang on. Get some. Let's see if we can we can see that. That is – I mean, oh, that's just – he just decks him. I think All it's right, so this keep, guy on the – Keep your eyes on now. the top right corner of the screen. Boom, right away. Completely bumps him. Yeah. That's what I like to see. That's – um. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty aggressive, but that's that's something that was well deserved. So I don't really blame the guy for that. Um, but that was uh, basically our video of the week. Um, hard challenge ends in a yellow card, but I want to thank uh, Kor for bringing that to my attention because I hadn't seen it uh, up to that point. So um, yeah, we're gonna retweet that too. So uh, if you guys are listening on the podcast, just go and sync that up. Uh, and you'll be able to see what we see. But, yeah, CONCACAF Champions League, kind of wild. Big hits right at the end of the game. Gotta yeah. love it. That'll, that'll bring the watchability rating up, right? It's the uh, Champions <laughs> yeah, League. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Champions League meets the XFL. Oh, you, you might be on to something here. We just get uh... – <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we really want to take that to the extreme, like you just get like uh, Gronkowski to be a center back after he retires from the Bucks. Not, not that a bad idea. idea. I will be... say, as we're bringing this up, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more, or we hope to talk about a little bit more about FIFA next next round. In the uh, in the latest game, they have these game modes, and yeah. you can play as a game mode where there's no fouls, like the refs won't call any fouls. And uh, <laughs> I definitely have played that game mode more times than I like to admit and just played as the fastest team and and turned up my, my speed settings and just like sprinted around, just slide tackling different players <laughs> from behind and, and trying to do some do some damage out there. But, you know, if if you if you say you never did that when you were playing NHL or any other game then you'd be a liar. So everybody does. Using FIFA to relieve of your, uh, you know, everyday problems. It's great. Getting my anger out. <laughs> well, I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just... that That is probably the most creative mode. I think I, I, no other game that I can think of has a mode like that. Like, there's Pretty no... Fun. Yeah, there's no... Um, there's no, like, uh, Madden mode where you could, like, rough the passer or something like that or, like... <laughs> Well, you could just turn the flags off, but it's not as it's not as uh, like yeah, not as fun in the game. No, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, there's also the turn the offside one off, like you if it's not yeah. the house mode, where yeah. you just wait around when everyone's moved up, and then you just play a <laughs> long ball. That's exactly that's the play. That's the play. A lot, lot of fun. A lot of yeah. fun. I uh, mean, if you were able to take that to the extreme, like if you were able to apply that to other modes, like you do a career mode where you're like just like like a, a defender that's like, um, you know, six, five, 250 pounds. And you just turn off the fouls and just deck everybody. Like that's just taking <laughs> that's basically what Sule does for Byron. But yeah. Oh, oh I mean, <laughs> you would know attack, rather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some aggressive. Come in with a hard challenge. Yeah. 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 Hard, but clean. good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, clean enough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not a Sergio Ramos. No, no, not not to that level, but he no. probably gets close. Well, 
But uh, good talk. We'll we'll bring you some more FIFA talk next episode. So you guys have got that to look forward to. Of course, Chris will be giving us his MLS preview. We're excited. We're looking forward to uh, to next episode, which will be on next Wednesday again. Feel free to tune in to us live um, if you haven't been doing that, if you're listening on the, on the recorded version. And uh, feel free to re- listen to the recorded version if you're watching us live. Obviously, happy to have you no matter how we have you. And uh, thanks for being with us tonight. Have a good night, everybody. This has been uh, Chris, KR, and Jacob. Signing off.